Thursday morning. Now it's time to say hi to Steve Vines, who who a don le maison. I'm trying not to speak English. You yes, see. yes, very good. Don't want to confuse people. But but, but I, I honestly, <laughs> the the time has come to issue an apology. And I'd like to issue an apology on behalf of the entire English media in Hong Kong. Mrs. Lam, I'm sorry. We're wasting your time. I know you've got better things to do. You're a very important person. In fact, you're enormously important and you're very, very busy. You work very long hours. In fact, you micromanage the government to a degree that nobody's ever seen before. And when you go to the Executive Council and you come outside and speak to the great unwashed, who are sometimes known as journalists, there are people there, yeah, uh, including from a radio station called RTH something or other, Um, there are people there who ask you questions in English and Cantonese. Well, obviously, this is wasting your time. I mean, you've got important things to do. Communicating with the public through the media is so way down on the list. So you were quite right to tell that pesky reporter to do something which possibly didn't involve procreation, but did involve going away. And I understand where you're coming from. I mean, to be honest with you, to be honest with you, I know it says in Article 9 of the Basic Law that English is an official language of the Hong Kong SAR, but, you know, surely that could be reinterpreted. I think time has come for that. Send it up north for reinterpretation. In fact, coming to think of it, what's all this business with using Cantonese in Hong Kong? I mean, the rest of the country doesn't use it. <laughs> Abolish that as well. I think let's just have one language, make it put on work and be done with it. So that's my suggestion for today. But I have another suggestion. And, you know, the fact of the matter is that thanks to your valiant effort, not just you, but other people in the government, Mrs Lamb I'm talking to, I hope you're listening. Oh, that's right, she just said the other day that nobody listens to Radio 3. Well, never mind. Um, (laughs) That's what she told people at the FCC. Um, But other than that, um, I have another suggestion. You know, most of the media is sort of under control and they, they, they behave and they run long articles on belts and roads and greater bays and smaller bays. And I mean, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's my delight to read that stuff every day. In fact, I wake up with a tingling anticipation to find out what's the latest news on Belt and Road. And there are newspapers that carry that on a daily basis. So that's very good. But I don't think they've gone far enough. There's a very good example been set in Jilin province in Chanchung, where they, they've opened a new railway line and it's adorned with the thoughts, the carriages are adorned with the thoughts of President, or should I say Comrade Xi Jinping. I mean, don't you think that would be the way to go in Hong Kong? We could have a new MTR system. <laughs> MTR. I know it's controversial, but excuse me for mentioning it. We have a new MTR system with the thoughts of Chairman um, Chairman Xi. Maybe, and this is a bit saucy and a bit daring, maybe some of your thoughts could go in, in a subsidiary role, obviously. And then, you know, people on their daily travels could pick up inspiration, as they're doing in Chanchung, right as we speak today. So I think media reform is in the air I understand where you're coming from it's very tedious having to you know speak to the media at all let alone having to speak to it in two languages but I've got another thing and this this you may say is thinking out of the box but I'd like to say this on behalf of the English language media why don't we just abolish ourselves do you think that would work just a thought just a thought I'm, I'm just just 
going with where where things are moving. So um, voluntary self abolition uh, may be the way to go. So uh, what do you want to talk about this morning? <laughs> no, <I don't> <laughs> I'm just uh, ban- I'm banning myself. You're banning yourself, right? Well, anyway, I just I just wanted to get that apology out of the this, way because I've, 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 yeah. a listener might have might have heard that that Carrie Lamb doesn't like the English language media, and you know all I can do is apologise. But there has been something else going on this week, uh, yesterday to be to be uh, precise, with the Court of Final Appeal finally issuing its judgment on this appeal against the Immigration Department, who denied. A, the applicant, her same-sex partner's right to come here on a dependent visa. Now, the interesting thing about this case, besides anything else, is the lengths to which the government has gone. And likely will go. And, well, they've gone to the court final appeal. No, 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 I'm no, quite no, sure where they can... I'm sure there'll be other avenues. No, you're quite me? right. There are other cases um, with, with related matters. But the lengths the government will, triads, actually, will go but, yeah. to, to maintain a level of prejudice and inequality in Hong Kong, which has long ceased to exist in other countries in the world. I mean, instead, this is public money. You and me are paying for this. We're paying for the prejudice of a small group of, of uh, bigots in the government who, who just have got this extraordinary thing, extraordinary obsession with anything that, that concerns safe sex. And don't get me started on library books because we know how dangerous books are. But, I mean, anyway, they go to court, they lose the case, they take it to appeal, <coughs> and they do quite well on appeal. So, so um, you know, they finally end up in the court of final appeal. And even now... Even now, after it's gone to the Court of Final Appeal, the government's saying, oh, well, we'll have to consider this legal judgment. Well, no, no, sorry, girls and boys. Court of Final Appeal, the word final, that's the key in the title of Court of Final Appeal. The, the, the definitive judgment has been made on this case. Um, has it? Well, unless they want to scuttle up north, as they tend to do every time something happens that they don't like. I think... in. In this particular instance, they really are in great problems because one of the great things that, that the the upholders of bigotry have always pointed to is, oh, you know, Hong Kong's a traditional society, you know, marriage between one man and one woman is, is, is really now. <laughs> I think culture. Andy Work beat you to this one this morning. Oh, did he? He's going, yeah, let's go traditional. I'll have my first wife. I'll get my second one. Well, and I- <laughs> but, 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 well, but that's an interesting point because actually in Hong Kong, there isn't a long tradition of of the legalisation of marriage between one man and one woman. Until the 1970s, it was perfectly legitimate for um, men, not women incidentally, for men to have multiple wives. So, you know, even that's a complete nonsense. So it's only, you know... In relatively recent modern history, has Hong Kong actually had legislation about marriage being confined to one man and one woman? But anyway, never mind. They don't. You mustn't let the facts get in in any way in the way of the story, because the story is that this is abnormal. People in Hong Kong won't accept it. It's alternative lifestyles. But by staggering coincidence, probably not. We've just seen this week a survey. A public opinion survey, which instead we haven't seen many of these on acceptance of of same sex marriage, which shows, in my view, rather remarkably, that in the period of just 
a few years, I think it's just four or five years, the level of acceptance has gone from somewhere around 30% to over 50%. And this is a, a legit survey, is it? This is... Because uh, I, I always, I always question yeah. it when it's the other side doing it. So. <laughs> no, it's just, I mean, it's got a, a relatively big sample by, by the standards of these public opinion shows, over 1,000 people. Um which is more or less standard for these things. I it, it's an academic survey, okay. so you may say, well, anyway. But the fact of the matter is that that the evidence, such as it is, and I'm not saying that's definitive. Incidentally, mm-hmm. I'm not going to hook everything on public opinion surveys. God help us. But the evidence is that public opinion is definitely shifting, and that the bigots are getting into a smaller and smaller minority. The problem is that they're clustered in the upper echelons of government, where these people are very, very, very concerned with their Bible-bashing masters in the church. Now, it's very interesting. People like Carrie Lamb, who, who, who talk darkly about foreign influences, don't seem to mind the foreign influence of the church. In fact, she said in response to a question about this very subject, oh, well, I can't really um, tackle this because my bishop wouldn't like it. I'm thinking, well, hang about, hang about. Wait wait a minute. Where, where does that come from? Word. <laughs> where does that come from? I'm, I'm sorry that her bishop wouldn't like it, and I'm very sure that she doesn't tell a lie. I'm sure he wouldn't like it. But, of course, you know, the fact that the Christian church, which incidentally is a very small minority in Hong Kong, most people in Hong Kong are not Christians, the Christian church has enormous influence on these social matters, and it is not in line with the rest of the community. But if you look at the upper levels of government, there's an extraordinary God-bothering clique occupying senior places in the administration they're very unrepresentative the rest of the the the, the community so you know i don't know where this will go Uh, after the ruling the applicant who whose initials we have rather than her name qq said oh well you know this is a small matter for us but a big matter for society well i think she's right i think they're going to find it very hard to Mm. hold the line on on this matter yeah absolutely um sorry i i gave her name wrong as qq it's qt in fact but i mean they're going to find it very hard to hold the line on this because social attitudes are changing very fast not just in hong kong but in the rest of the world i mean the fact that hong kong is lagging behind is is not a headline piece of news but it is lagging behind the younger generation here do not hold the views of their parents gosh that's a revelation who knew that in this and in many other things. So, will this now mean that, for example, that the government's determination to discriminate against same-sex partners in terms of pension rights, this was another court case that we saw literally just a few weeks ago, where the government managed to win a case denying a civil servant's pension rights to his partner, although they are legally married in another jurisdiction. And remember, Hong Kong not only bans same-sex marriages in, um, in, in, in Hong Kong itself, but it also bans it on foreign territory in Hong Kong, in other words, in consulates. Now, a lot of countries, like Vietnam, for example, which also doesn't tolerate um, same-sex marriages as part of its rules, says, well, if you want to do it in a foreign consulate and you have a standing to do it there, that's, that's your business. Not in Hong Kong. It's banned in Hong Kong. I mean, the level to which they seem determined to stop this 
is quite extraordinary. I know a same-sex couple that actually got hitched. They did it in... Uh, the, the irony of irony is Shanghai. Yes. And the other you, thing uh, is... Isn't that interesting <laughs> yeah, that you yeah, can yeah. do this sort of thing <laughs> in the mainland, which is actually more open-minded than, than in Hong Kong's weird... Oh, sorry, World City. The CFA thing yesterday things very firmly on the radar but I know for an absolute fact that the immigration department has been handing out what it calls pipe and slippers visas for many years couple, same sex couples who are married elsewhere um, they, they the, the, the one couple I know they weren't told to keep quiet about it you know no but they, they, they have to provide a weaselly excuse oh, there was nothing it was apparently according to the guys it was all above board and um, basically they weren't mm. told don't say anything I mean the fellow who was the main breadwinner had a pretty high-flying job, and his male partner, years ago, they were given this visa, and the only proviso was that the partner's not allowed to work. Well, I'd have to say that's not typical, because I know of other cases where where where, where um, it hasn't worked that way. Mm. But, you know, it's, it's a bureaucracy. The bureaucracy has all sorts of people in it who knows how it works. I mean, it's good that we have clarity from, from the Court of Final Appeal mm. because, you know, if you are a law-abiding and a law-loving citizen, you, you should be very pleased about that. The one I'm talking about has a really interesting PS because that was a number of years ago and said partner is now a permanent resident. <laughs> But the irony is he doesn't want to work. <laughs> but this oh, is all true. That, this is absolutely yeah, well, that's, that's that case. Yeah, I mean, there's also there was a, there was a case in the paper uh, today of another couple who yeah. who had tried to make a go of it here, and in the end they just lost lost the will to carry on and went to live in Scotland. I mean, how desperate is that? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to a couple of emails here. Um, uh, this is from Pete. He says, why is it that LegCo routinely block anything that you or I might reasonably consider to be a sensible course of action? For example, says Pete, investigations <coughs> into the shoddy work of various MTR stations. He says, please answer in Cantonese. We don't want to waste time. Yes. Way? <laughs> um, can I just... Yeah, no, no. Good point. So what there he's are, talking about... coming out at the moment. Yeah, what there? he's talking about is something that happened in LegCo yesterday when Claudia Moe um, raised a motion... Maybe it was because Claudia Mo raised it. Who knows? Um, asking that uh, Legco investigates this, and and the majority, the government, so-called pro-government loyalist majority, as a reflex action without considering it, said nope, nope, we're not, nope, 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 no investigation. No, I mean, if the role of Legco is not to act as a watchdog, what exactly is its role? Part the second. I want to say hello to Jean, who says, um, Ray, your previous conversation, the immigration of the immigration officer's judicial review, not the one yesterday. Yeah, this is the case that was held. Uh, well, it was reheld, I should yeah. say, a couple of weeks back. Yeah. Um, Jean says it's about fringe benefits for his same-sex partner and also right to file tax together, not not pension. So far, anything? Well, I thought it was about pension. I, I, I stand corrected if that's right. Uh, but, the, but the fact of the matter is that if you're a civil servant... There's different contracts there, there, and blah, there's, blah, blah. There, there, there is... Um, if you're a, a, a civil servant, you do get benefits for being married. Your, your spouse gets a benefit for being married. And this particular civil servant was saying, well, I'm married. Yep. It just so happens I'm married to a man. Fair play. Yeah. Um, she carries on. The immigration has been giving out extended visitor visa for a max of six months each time, unless if someone has a UK passport, which they can stay for 180 days anyway. The visa does give the right to work and study or to get PO after seven years 
of residence, but she carries on. Usually if they leave Hong Kong, the visitor permit is automatically renewed each time they re-enter. I think there's some tongue-in-cheek coming up here. Usually breeze through, especially if they're white, because our immigration is racist and it's white privilege. Well, that may well be the case. I mean, I don't think that obviates that the, the matter of principle here is equality of treatment, yeah. which, you know, th- this is the way you get round it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. All right, nothing for the time being. All yours. Well, I, I just mentioned very, very briefly before all that vulgar popular music came on air that uh, um, yeah. uh, the government... You remember the government, with a great flurry, said we're going to have this enormous medical insurance... Mega. Mega. Mega is the word. Thank you for that. It must insurance. be. I don't know this at insurance. all, but it's always the Medical word. insurance system, which will have two benefits. One is that it will relieve pressure on the public health system. And the other thing is it will, will give people who have... Um, difficulty in obtaining um, medical insurance because they've got pre-existing conditions or they're elderly, it will give them a possibility to join private medical schemes without, you know, these onerous, onerous burdens. Well, now the government is starting to leak out because they know that they've singularly failed to achieve this, leak out the information that actually uh, it's not going to do anything of the kind. The best that will happen from what I understand of these mm. leaks, is that um, you will be able to claim uh, something like up to $8,000 uh, worth of, of tax relief from joining one of these schemes. But the big questions, will people with pre-existing conditions, will elderly people be able to join these private medical schemes? Uh, apparently the assurance companies have done a number on them and have said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His schemes, you know, we're looking for customers. We'll we'll have those. But, you know, we want them on our terms, not on your terms. Pre-existing conditions, what are we talking about? say, for example, you've you've had a cancer, which unfortunately is very common in Hong Kong. Or or say you've got respiratory problems. I mean, these are very common things that people have. And these can be used either as a way of saying, oh, well, if you get any more problems with, with, with cancer you're not covered. If you have any more problems with your respiratory system, it's not covered, etc., etc. So, in any scheme that's going to work, the key is in the word medical, and the other key is in the word insurance. If it doesn't cover your medical insurance, it ain't worth the paper it's not printed on. Mm. So, the idea that thousands of people, and they claim something like one million odd people would flock to join this scheme when all it was offering was oh, that's right, nothing, It's completely ludicrous. And the reason is because instead of saying to the insurance companies, here's a bit of carrot, because you always have to give them a bit of carrot, but by the way, there's a bit of stick on this. If you don't do this, we'll wrap you around the knuckles and we can find ways of making life difficult for you. They went, oh, oh, you don't like that. Okay. I'll tell you what, Steve, this place is like a giant game of snakes and ladders, isn't it? Well, mainly snakes. (laughs) I know. I mean, why? Just why? The ladders go up. The snakes go... Um, anyway, yeah, I mean, it's a great pity because this was, a, this was a very big opportunity to do something significant for the community, for, particularly for people in the middle. I mean, very poor people wouldn't have been able to afford this scheme. I understand that. But there are very a large number of ordinary middle-class people who would quite like to be able to afford private medical assurance. And it looks as though this scheme just ain't going to 
do what it says on the tin. Let's go back to Pete's email, Steve, and talk about things like uh, voting down Tokar One investigation and also a little bit, if you would, on the more and more people on social media saying stuff about um, property guys holding the houses and flats and stuff. Remember that? And they're saying, well, if you'd stop letting 150 people in here from the mainland every day, blah, blah, blah. And, well, and, and, yeah. that's an interesting point which uh, Carrie Lamb and her great housing scheme doesn't address. It's the, as, as matters stand... Elephant, it's as the mammoth stand, in the room, isn't it? The, the scheme for allowing 150 so-called one-way permits of mainlanders to come to Hong Kong every day of the year is entirely incidentally controlled by the mainland. The people who come in have... Uh, uh, the Hong Kong authorities have no say over that. So you've got these people coming in, and obviously the, the numbers accumulate. Okay. And obviously it adds to housing pressure. So the question is not particularly whether you need to abolish the scheme, but whether it should perhaps have a more logical basis... Perhaps there should be some, perish the thought, Hong Kong input into who comes into Hong Kong. I know that's a bit of a radical idea. We are talking 55,000 people a year here. Approximately. Well, if that's 150 times 365. Yeah. <laughs> Approximately. Get out the calculator. It'd be something like that. It yeah. is. No, it's a, it's a large number. It's a very large number. And it's a scheme that's been going on for many years. So you've got that pressure. You've got, and this is, you've got to laugh. You've got the massive land task force and the public consultation, which is supposed to be identifying new land for housing. Uh, and there's a public consultation. <laughs> but Carrie Lamb and indeed the housing secretary, who's also the transport secretary, and I believe he's in charge of nose picking as well, have already said that, um, oh, yes, yes, that's that's very interesting. We're having public consultation. The answer is land reclamation. But, you know. People can put their views in. They can be wrong. We don't mind. We've already decided how this is going to work. And the people in charge of this land study go, oh, we're working independently of the government. Incidentally, I'm sure they are. But they submit a report to the government who have said in public, it's not even, they're not even embarrassed about this. In the middle of the consultation, they've already decided what the answer is. And they're going, well, there may be, in fact, Carrie said this last night. She said, well, there may be other solutions, but this is the one that's going to work. I don't understand why... So the... why have a public... Why go through the farce of this enormous public consultation? And incidentally, it's a very big exercise. They're holding meetings throughout Hong Kong. Oh, they're it's... getting people to write in this, that and the other. And the government's going, oh, yes. Let's throw that away immediately. What is it that makes these brownfield sites kryptonite? I think it's because you have to... If you want to redevelop them, you have to tackle the Hung Cook. It's as simple as that. You have to get the rural mafia on side and history tells us that isn't simple mm -hmm. i mean it's 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 a long and and, and tortured story so i don't think any of that's going to happen let's just finish on something which i'm finding very amusing and, you know let's end on a happy note even in the Chinese media, I mean, things like Global Times, they're now saying, you know, we've got to be a bit careful about this tri China triumphalism. It's, it's getting a bit out of hand. You know, China will rule the world. If there's a trade war with America, America will surely die. Um, you know, if there's a sea, we obviously own it. Um, that even the official media is going, uh, 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 maybe we're going a bit far here. We maybe tamper this down. But nobody's told the little weasels in Hong Kong who are still going, you know, China's in charge. China's going to rule the world. China, you know, boys, read the official media. At least follow your...
buses.